Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, a couple of news items, the All-22 review. I have a new format I'm very excited to break out for y'all, plus Coach McDaniel sound bites, and much, much more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. It is tape review day. Let's go ahead and get right to it. But first, some updates. Coach says that Devon A-Chain is going to be week to week. He avoided anything severe with a shoulder injury after a defensive lineman's weight landed on his entire body. Robert Jones and Eric Saubert both exited the game. Coach says that Rob Jones should be a little bit longer than Eric. Both are in the midst of rehab processes that could take more than a week or two. Mike White is in the concussion protocol. The staff noticed some irregularities, according to Coach, so the whole process began and McDaniel was told he would not be available once that happened. The plan was to play Mike White the rest of the way when he got in the game, but he did not finish that, obviously, and Skyler finishes up. In the meantime, the team brought back James Blackman to give the team three quarterbacks this week as we surge on towards the end of camp and the Coinciding move with Blackman's return is the release of Tony Ellis, who has been with Miami a few times before. And then finally, Alec Ingold and Miles Gaskin, coach says, are both, quote, on the very close side of being able to participate in football once again, and quote, said he expects to see both of them sooner than later. Let's go ahead and get to the Houston Texans preseason week two film breakdown. I was grinding tape all day, watched a little bit on Sunday, but mostly took that day with my kids and then got to the tape on Monday. And we're going to do that in this way. We're going to talk about the big plays and we're only going to do offense this time around because there were some big plays on defense, but I don't want this podcast to get so convoluted because with 90 players to evaluate, it's a little bit long. So you guys already see that in the time on the podcast right now. And I just want to go ahead and break these down and paint some pictures for you here with the big play breakdowns, starting with the opening interception on the opening play. That was in the first quarter with 14.54 to go. It's a play that reads like four verts, only you had three verticals to the side of the field. And you had Tyler Croft running up the seam. You had Tyreek running the takeoff with a spray release. And what that means is basically in tight to the formation, and then you widen your release and then get vertical. I I noted this throughout the course of the game, how the Dolphins really did a lot of condensed formations, and that gives them chances to really expand the defense post-snap, and that helps give you your spacing with those two routes they ran on that play. But with the middle linebacker getting the depth that he got, he made the entire thing work. If Tua holds it longer, the best-case scenario is probably a throwaway because if you watch the wide angle, Tyreek and Durham coming across in split flow in the flat, those guys are covered. Croft is pretty well covered, except for that, you know, that space that Tua thought he probably saw without accounting for that linebacker. I'm not sure if Tua had the handoff option there. I think he did, but if he if he does, it's really well blocked for Raheem Mostert. And Austin Jackson had a great turn and pin on his man, a theme throughout this game. Both Connor and Rob nail a double team. The throw location was actually good if the linebacker had not made the great play. Like I like the way it settled Croft down into the backside of the zone, but obviously it's not a good throw because the linebacker jumps back and picks it off in that spot. But it would have prevented a big hit from the safety if that linebacker had bit up on the run. Again, we have to ID that. That just didn't happen there. But obviously, we did not, and you get the point there. Another big play I wanted to break down here. The second drive, a 15-yard completion from Tua to Ahmed on third and two, a big conversion on that drive. And it's a little swing route and a great example 
of Tua's processing here because you have two nasty splits to the boundary, which is the short side of the field. Field is the wide side. We'll cover that every time I mention it here on the podcast. Uh, with the two receivers, and uh, a receiver and a tight end, I should say, going up against two DBs who were off. And you can see they're in what's called a banjo call. And all that means is a zone coverage where you say, like, first guy in, I got, second guy out is the one that I got. So you have to communicate this kind of switch release type of thing where they pass off, you know, the first in, last out player on those routes. Both the routes break in, and you see Tua, his helmet is right at those DBs, and you see them kind of squat and peek inside. And when he sees them have that depth, he knows instantly based upon the design of the play there's no one that's going to be able to get to Zavon quickly enough to cut him down short of the sticks and that's a big reason why he was afforded the chance to make that move in space and not just power his way through a tackle for three yards and a first down but to make a move in space and create a 15-yard play and it's again good that Tua got it out fast because on that rep and this is why I love playing a D'Amico Ryan's defense all week these guys gave him so many looks with a gap blitzes or double a gap looks uh green dog blitzes there was one fake where a linebacker was mugged up in the a gap fake to pivot step back and then came on the rush just all kinds of stuff they gave you on this play mugged up in the a gaps the a gap is the gap off of the center shoulders either side right in the middle of the quarterback's vision and it confused our pass pro and austin jackson wound up kind of working inside out and he when he got back outside his heels got clicked in together which is not great pass protection technique and it allowed the bull rush to really take him right into Tua's lap and the ball was already out so it didn't affect the pass or even hit the quarterback but the wide nine on that play was tough for Jackson to get out to but good work by Tua good work by Savon in space and a cool play design we'll talk more about how I think there's so many counters what this offense did effectively last year in just a moment the first touchdown of the game quarter one six minutes to play Raheem Mostert's two-yard touchdown run legit one of my favorite 11 on 11 blocking executions I've seen from this team across the board it was perfect you get counter tray action working off the pre-snap motion and what that means is a guard pulling and you're going to have a tight end pull to the play side to make those key blocks And that pre-snap motion is Durham just getting out of a stance and basically starting with a second head start above everybody else. And you actually saw the Texans react to this a few times in the game to jump off sides. But he gets that head start. He and Rob Hunt come across play side. You have Connor Williams... Whenever you have a guard pulling, you have to pin the man across from him to make sure he doesn't get in there and disrupt the entire timing of the play. Well, Connor pinned this three technique that Rob left alone, and he nails it. Great block. Tyler Croft has a straight-up seven technique right across from him, and he's able to get on the outside shoulder and pin him inside. Then you have Wynn and Lamb on double teams on the two technique, and Wynn does a great job of not firing his hands. He comes out of the stance, keeps quiet hands, and then once he gets aligned in a, in, in a position where he can strike, then he throws the hands and gets on the outside part of that man and lets his feet bring him square to the block, and then he works around the inside and holds up so that Kendall Lamb can clean him up with a washdown block that's very effective. Then here comes Rob Hunt, just getting surge in that B-gap that stacks everything up for the, for the defense. Smythe peels back and walls off the corner, and Raheem has an easy read with a bunch of bodies stacked up. And it's an easy bounce and waltz into the end zone for six. Supreme, supreme execution for six points. The play design takes care of Jalen Petrie, who looks like he's going to scrape off the edge and be the guy that Raheem has to beat. But because Raheem is flanked to the short side, and kind of takes his initial track away from all the action, you see Petrie peek inside and gets caught in the wash, and you just cannot design the play better. You cannot block the play better. 
and we got lots of that in the running game in this game, buddy. I am, I am fired up about what we saw in this game. How about the sack on Skyler, the fumble that he recovered in the second quarter with 1441 to play? Not much to break down. It's basically Will Anderson having too good of a get-off to allow you to have any sort of delay with that backside guard pull to wall off. Isaiah Wynn tried to pull from his left guard spot and go wall off the edge, but he couldn't get out there because he got caught up in the traffic, and by the time he did get out there, it was too late, and then Ahmed had no chance either. There's zero chance for him to get into any kind of technique when the rusher's that close in his face off of a play action. Sometimes good players make good plays, and that's what happened with Will Anderson. How about A-Chain's 15-yard run on third and 14 with 10 minutes to play in the second quarter? I know you, I know you guys know what I'm talking about, the draw play. It starts with a great technique from Rob Jones, who has a two-technique lined up across from him. A two-technique that's going to be head up over your offensive guard. His first step takes him right into proper position where he gets wide, and then he throws that right-handed punch, and the rest of his weight kind of whips around with him to seal that B-gap for A-Chain to hit with authority. You get a good seal by Abwehi at right tackle. Dan Feeney climbs up to get a piece at the second level. And then Eric Saubert, his best block of camp, as a Dolphin, in my opinion, squares up his block. And it's just the rookie hitting the hole with conviction. He was faster than the Texans could react. I don't think they expected him to come out of the gates like that. And that's why he got a first down. Really, really impressive on third and 14 to convert on the ground. How about a 65-yard rush by Savon Ahmed in the second quarter? I think the key block there was River Craycraft. He has a down block on a linebacker, and that's a block that a linebacker has to beat. You cannot let a receiver wall you off. You have to run through it or get around it, and he couldn't, and as a result, Savon's off to the races. Look at that. Huskies and Cougars working together down here in South Florida. Isaiah Wynn had a terrific seal. Keon Smith held his block for just long enough, and Ulave hit a key block at the second level as well to spring Ahmed, then it was just pure speed. The ensuing touchdown pass from Skyler to Savon, not much to it. Savon got out outside access. Skyler gets the ball to him early. That's something I've been harping on. He did it in this play, got to him early, and it was over to the pylon for a touchdown. The touchdown pass to Barrios from Skyler, uh, late second quarter. I'm not sure what the DB covering Barrios was doing because he slowed down twice on the play, but it was pretty similar to the route that Barrios caught from Tua, which we'll talk about here in a second uh, on that second drive of the game, where he worked and worked and worked to get up the, on the upfield shoulder and then rounded it off coming back to the quarterback, which put the DB in a blind spot. And as he angles back to the quarterback, that's the key. If he doesn't come back to the quarterback there, that's a dangerous throw. But Skyler has time to deliver a good ball. And because of really, really good pass pro, you get a, a way he with a one-on-one win. Keon Smith, a one-on-one win. Same with Isaiah Wynn. And then Ulave and Feeney both doubled their guys for a win to get great pass pro for a lot of time on that third and 11 touchdown strike from Skyler to Berrios. How about Skyler's touchdown to Brooks? The uh, screen pass. The second level of Texans defense just didn't see the, the screen coming. There's not like a lot to say, wow, what a great play here. It just was the defense was slow to react. That's really all it was. It allowed us to get Keon Smith and Alama and Feeney out in front with uh, just one guy to block. Feeney gets the guy. River gets a key block downfield. Then it's just Brooks bouncing off a tackle at the five-yard line with ease. He's tough to bring down. He's got some good damn tape down here. Uh, it's going to be a tough decision for the coaches in that running back room because we've got some good ones. Let's talk about Travis's 10 favorite tapes. We'll do that. Uh, let's go ahead and do that after the break, actually. That's coming up next on the Drive Time Podcast, my 10 favorite individual player tapes from the game. Coming up next, brought to you by AutoNation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. We've done the big plays. We're going to do that throughout the course of the entire season, breaking down the biggest moments in your Miami Dolphins 2023 season. Also going to give you my 10 favorite tapes, which hopefully is a little bit easier than it was here because we had so many guys to evaluate. But I broke it down to these 10 guys, and we'll talk about the honorable mention in the postscript on the other side here. So David Long, I don't think he had a bad rep. He's my number one guy on here. His very first play is the second down run stuff. They they bring... A, they bring a center downhill right at him at the goal line, and he's giving up 80 pounds to this man, and he bluffs a big con- collision and just sidesteps and throws a guy who weighs 300-plus pounds to the ground. I, I don't understand how he did that. It was an incredible play. The next drive, they run swing motion and dump the ball to Nico Collins, and you see Jerome Baker run to the perimeter and get him to the ground with his great speed, and that's a great job by Jerome Baker to do that. But you see long before the snap motion, get out, get out wide, and Baker runs all the way and starts early to help him get to that position. I just think David Long understands what offenses are trying to do, and he sees it before they do it, and you see it on the very next play when they motion away from the strength of the, of the formation, and the backers shift over a gap from their off-ball positions. I believe that David Long shifted to a stack position behind Raekwon Davis on the defensive line, and then he immediately, once he shifts, he shoots that backside B gap, and before the center can get off his double team on Raekwon Davis, which is why I think that he understood a line and Zach Thomas talked about this a lot, how important it is to be correctly aligned so you can make these kinds of plays. That late shift, I think, kind of hid him behind Raekwon on that double team, and he's able to just pull the trigger and get in that B-gap and goes and knocks the running or the blocker out and then knocks him into the ball carrier, then retraces and makes the tackle on the ball carrier. Textbook, teach tape, linebacker play. Three plays later, they run a toss, and once again, his anticipation is so good, I froze it when the running back caught the football. David Long starts this play five yards off the ball. By the time the running back catches the toss sweep, which is like a half a second, he's already crossed the line of scrimmage and by everybody else. Big tackle for loss there. And then just two plays later, he slow plays his trigger this time and then comes downhill and makes another stop at the line of scrimmage. He had two run stops on just five rundown reps, according to Pro Football Focus, and that just tracks with his production in Tennessee. He was one of the best run defenders in all of football last year. He had seven coverage snaps and no targets. And by the way, comparing tackles for loss for run defense is hilarious. David Long's a massive upgrade over what we had a year ago. Savant Ahmed's number two, although he could easily be number one. Running back's jobs, aside from reading blocks and finding lanes and decision making, which is the number one thing, is to execute the plays when they're blocked, right? But when you're one-on-one in a situation, can you break the tackle? And boy, did he. He caught the swing one yard behind the line of scrimmage on third and three. The tackler's there. We, We already broke this play down. On the other side of the line of scrimmage, and he slips him and runs for 15 more yards after the catch. The 10 yard run he had on our second touchdown drive is the same action as the deep shot we just missed from Skyler to Cedric Wilson. 
only this time they do hand it off. So I love that balance of plays. It's the short side. Savon is very much outflanked by the entire linebacking crew, and he still wins the angle. It's Gronkowski on Kenyon Drake-esque speed you can clearly see. On his touchdown catch, I just like how he paced it, was wide open, but didn't waste any time. Like He knew he had space, didn't bother pressing the linebacker. Just get out wide and show the quarterback your numbers, and he throws the football right there. Good speed, pacing, feel, really everything. A great possession and a great game by Savon Ahmed. Then he goes back out there in the fourth quarter, and has back-to-back runs. One, he's got a middle linebacker in the A-gap. It's one-on-one. The, blo- the play is well-blocked, except for this linebacker, all alone, and he just jukes the jukes the jock off of him. It was crazy how much he left him in the dust. Then the next play, he follows the track without decelerating and got key blocks from both Feeney and Elijah Higgins for another big gain where it's just no hesitation. He just sees it and feels it and hits it and goes. We're going to play sound from McDaniel here in just one second that talks about how I think this running game is coming together in year two. Pro Football Focus had him with three runs of 10 plus yards, 2.46 yards per route ran, 5.5 yards of yak per catch per catch. He forced two missed tackles in total and all of his catches went for first downs. In fact, three of his 12 runs did too. So 16 touches for seven first downs. I want to play this sound from Coach. I asked him, how do you assess the running game and how they've come together here in the second year? We're seeing the results and the statistics and the box score. How do you assess it? I love this answer here from Coach McDaniel. Yeah, you know, I think you're starting to see some of the stuff that I've talked to you guys about um, to, you know, since day one that, you know, what we're trying to do um, up front and specifically with the run game um, is demanding and it's uh, very particular to, uh, you know, a, a certain degree of technic- technical um, technicalities of, uh, I, don't, I don't know, really physical fundamentals that are different than a lot of guys do in the past. And that's a, that's a process and the, you know, you don't just, um you know, get to where you want um, in a week, a month, sometimes a season. And a lot of times it takes a couple um, years of development of, of a whole group to, to get it to where you want. Um, I think our, our starting group um, really took a step forward um, from, from that game. There's uh, guys that are in um, position battles that uh, did good things and, and bad things. That's um all part of the process. Uh, I, I think that we are um, starting to exhibit some of the stuff that, you know, I, I really hoped we, we would this off season. Um, and I, it's kind of really met close to where I was hoping we'd be um, to this point. What does that mean? Um, it means you're, you're in the process where, where, where you'd like to be, but it's not where you want to go. So um, I thought that there were some real positives that uh, that is a direct correlation with um, complete and utter uh, commitment by the coaching staff and and the players. I think you're starting to see um, some flashes of uh, what we think we can be. But um, again, it was great work all week um, going against different type of technique and a different front and. Um, as a result, we, we did some good things on, uh, on the game on Saturday, um, and, and there's some definite things that we can improve upon that we'll be focusing on um, as, as we progress. 
My next favorite tape is River Craycraft. He is such a good blocker. I love that we can go to him when you have 10 and 17 getting a breather on the sideline after their, you know, 14 vertical routes they run per game, especially down in the red zone where I know that A, he can give me a key block to spring a touchdown, and B, he's going to be in the right place and give your quarterback a trusty target who will make a tough catch like the touchdown against Buffalo last year, like the touchdown against Baltimore. He also had three critical or the critical down block, I should say, on the linebacker where he sprung Savon for a big 65-yard run up the sideline. It's just the little things, man. There's two plays later after that where Skyler throws what could have been a grounding ball, but River sprints back to the play and extends his hands as if to say, like, I had a shot at that ball, and the refs had, like, 85s in the area. Just these little details. And then his catch on third and 11 at the end of the third quarter reminded me so much of what he did in the air raid at Washington State. Go Cougs. Find space on an inbreaker, make a tough catch. This ball's way off of his frame. He reaches out and plucks it and moves the sticks. Then he finishes the drive with that key block downfield on the Chris Brooks touchdown. River Craycraft, have yourself a day. Julian Hill is my fourth tape on here. These aren't necessarily in order, but the first three were, but the from here on, I don't think I put them in order, but he had a chip release where he immediately gets into the route and it's teach tape. Chip, get off the block, show the quarterback your numbers and stay moving so you can get upfield and just catches it six yards short of the sticks, immediately gets into that run and turns it into fourth and one that we later converted. Later on that drive, he comes back and has a very good run block rep where he chips and climbs and takes out the safety on a Savon Ahmed 10-yard run. He's got some pretty damn good feel, man. Very next play, he pulls catches a piece of the nose who won inside and then continues on that track. Like, I don't think he's supposed to hit the center, but he did it anyway. Then attaches to the safety after he disengages for River Craycraft block. Our perimeter running game looks really damn good, man. Like, it looks really good. And I think the work of the tight ends and receivers are a big part of that. In fact, let's go back to Coach McDaniel on how those guys did. There was, uh, there was some cool things. Uh, you know, that position um, is really at the point of attack at a lot of times. Um, and what we do in the run game. And I thought the tight ends utilized the opportunity um, to do some things from, uh, from tight ends positions. We, we had them in the, in the backfield as fullbacks sometimes. Uh, and, and it was something that that group wouldn't have been able to do three weeks ago. I don't think um, in its entirety. So uh, there in lies um, a success by itself. The fact that, uh, they were able to go out and and do some cool things. I think they we we have uh, we have some good players that have skills that uh, we can really utilize in this offense. That historically um, found ways to kind of utilize their skill sets, and guys are starting to kind of feel what those are um, within the offense, making some plays in the run game and the pass game. Um, so. Uh, they're they're a huge part in what we do offensively um, that sometimes r- relates to big box scores. Sometimes it doesn't, um, but it's a, uh, a very, very critical position that I thought um, some guys that we really believe in, um, whether they are vested veterans or, um, you know, young players that are rookies in the NFL, I thought they all, uh, contributed to the offense, which is one of the reasons that we were able to have some success. I thought Ryan Hayes had a really good cameo in this game. Obviously not a lot of reps for a seventh round pick playing late in the fourth quarter, but he got my attention on the first rep where he had really good seal or surge, I should say, and then reattached and sealed his guy after losing the initial like engagement. Two plays later, he's finding work on the second level. Like, go get him. He, he, he fell off a block and then went and found somebody else and hit that block. 
I thought he looked really good in pass protection. He comes back a drive later and seals the edge on the 11-yard Chris Brooks run, and then again another sealed edge on a six-yard run from Brooks. He was the top-graded pass blocker, no pressures on 10 pass blocking snaps for Ryan Hayes, putting together some good work out here. I thought Kendall Lamb looked the part, and we heard Coach talk about how comfortable they are with the depth on the offensive line, and I tend to agree because no one has good depth on their offensive line right now, but Miami has a bunch of guys who have played for a long time, and I think Kendall Lamb's the ideal swing tackle if he's not your right tackle to begin with. I do think that Austin Jackson's run game prowess is superior to Kendall Lamb's, and with the way Tua gets the ball out, I can see why you would kind of take the hit and pass pro to get better mauling and run game work because Austin can do such so many things out in space on all those toss plays to Raheem and A-Chain and all the guys that have speed. Austin can get out there and kind of knock out some DBs in space. But Kendall Lamb, first stunt of the game, just wipes it out, handles it perfectly with Isaiah Wynn. Next play, there's a screen to Eric Ezukama where he does a little fake pass set, which sells the upfield rush, and then he gets wide. These are the veteran types of moves a nine-year pro can make that puts you in good position. Very next rep does something similar where he gets... He has 45, I don't, I don't know who it was, number 45, isolated with a slide protection away that puts him on an island like you would see with Teron Armstead at left tackle. Lamb gets into his pass set, fake throws the hands and gets this 45, this player to show his pass rush move. Then he just punches the exposed chest that he gave him and locks down the rep. It was, he looked really good. He's looked good all camp. Second highest graded uh, pass blocker, which is a coincidence for me because, for instance, they had River Craycraft with the second worst run blocking grade that I do not at all agree with, but nine pass blocking snaps, no pressures for Kendall Lamb. Channing Tindall, one of my favorite tapes as well. Whew, he can play. That screen out wide where we really got a retrace from Malik Reed and Noah Ignogany holds contain outside. You see Tyndall recognize it early and pull the trigger and go make a big hit and a tackle. I think the rep on the swing that he thwarted demonstrates his growth because he worked over, kept his depth and analyzed the play while he's still moving to get width and depth. Then he realizes once the route has kind of camped out there, he drives and gets himself in there for a pass breakup. Very next play has a man-match play, which is a different technique altogether against a tight end. And I think that he was ready to carry him vertically, but he sat down, squatted, drove on the outbreaker, and broke it up in the hook zone. He's playing really good, and he's breaking up passes and playing the run really well. He was the second highest graded player on defense from Pro Football Focus, had a run stop on just three downs against the run, and had 16 plays in coverage, targeted just twice, and he broke both of them up. Braxton Berrios gets in the top 10 tapes. His route on the first reception from Tua on that, that really good anticipation ball was the exact same as his touchdown, where you have Perryman, the linebacker, is walling off a crosser with inside leverage. And how do you prevent that player from reading your break and driving and undercutting the throw? You have to convince him you're going to run the crossing route. So Braxton breaks this thing down and gets over the inside shoulder, uses the long arm in unison with the foot in the ground and breaks it back to the perimeter. And Perryman is not in position to drive because he's not standing in an attacking position because he had to retreat to respect the threat of that crosser. It's A-plus route running from Braxton Barrios. He did it all night long. I thought Cedric Wilson had a top 10 tape. Two really good routes. The fourth and one on Skyler's first scoring drive. He slot one-on-one, does a stutter release, sells the inside, gets the defensive back to take the cheese inside, and then gets back outside for a very easy first down conversion against that same man-free look, single high safety, man coverage. And I just want to hammer this point home because on the first two short yardage plays on third and fourth down, third or fourth and short, we get man coverage and one inside the slot position without breaking routes. This is just another thing that teams will have to contend with 
If, if they pull that outside corner down and it's a home run shot up the sideline, that fourth down win he had was the exact same thing on the last touchdown drive where Skyler is knowing where he's going there because the defense was shifted to the strength of the formation. So he has a two-way go for Cedric in the slot and he sells the DB on this outside move and cross his face and the ball found him. I thought Cedric Wilson looked like a very good NFL wide receiver in this game. Hopefully he can keep that going. And then finally, Deshaun Hand. This is a good player, man. He's played lots of reps the last couple of weeks, and though the box score is not flashy, there's plenty of plays on tape where the back is essentially making an extra move because of the gap fit that Deshaun Hand has shown. So those are my top 10 tapes. Deshaun Hand, Cedric Wilson, Braxton Berrios, Channing Tindall, Kendall Lamb, Ryan Hayes, Julian Hill, uh, River Craycraft, Savon Ahmed, and David Long. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back on the other side and do additional notes. We're going to talk about Tua's game and the rest of the guys that I did not mention on my top 10 tapes. That's next. Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are into the third segment here of a Drive Time podcast, and we have not talked about Tua Tungavailoa's game despite the interception. We did talk about that to kick off the show. Let's talk about the rest of his game. The location on that Durham Smythe throw was perfect. There's brackets everywhere except for on Durham and Raheem, but Raheem would have to broken two tackles to get the first down. And the location got us the completion and the first down. It's a really good ball placement. We'll talk more about that here in just a second. On the Savon Ahmed swing, it's a great example of Tua's processing. Those two nasty split wide receiver DBs up against off DBs. You can see the banjo coverage, and Tua just works those guys and understands quickly that they're off and that Savon has a lane and gets it to him very quickly. And he got it out fast because the double A gap mug-ups uh, would have put pressure on him and had him hit if he did not do that. The anticipation throw to Braxton Barrows for the first down was just as nasty as it gets, man. What's cool about the anticipation, it's not just the throw reading uh, the you know the coverage and of that defender and knowing the underneath route to help clear the space for Braxton in that spot. Tua knows the development of his pocket and he hitches up to a cleaner part of the pocket. That is Tua's superpower, man. Understanding of time and space on top of the location of the football, obviously, uh, but both as a thrower and pocket navigator. And the best part of the tape for me, the throws to Berrios and Smythe were both against what was cover six. And what that means is essentially Tua has to identify where the man coverage is. Like there's a single one-on-one look that he has. Everyone else is bracketed by zones and you just throw away from the leverage of that defender, essentially the wall defender who's taking off the middle part of the field, which he's going to see tons of this year because the Dolphins lived their bread and butter down the middle. So teams are going to run that cover six that takes away big intermediate portions of the field, you know, on the interior 
And we saw the Chargers do lots of that too, man, that does some of the same stuff last year. If you can throw these routes that, you know, threaten the crosser but break back to the outside with that kind of timing and anticipation, there's no defense for this offense. If you can do that consistently, looks like he has. He did it twice in one drive here. Did get picked off once, which, you know, that's not, never a good thing. But I just think that that's a counter to what the Dolphins did so well last year. And I want to go to the soundbite from McDaniel in a second. But first, Tua from PFF, two for three with 31 yards against pressure, two for two with 20 yards when blitz. That's really good numbers there when the uh, defense turns up the heat. But back to that counter idea. Let's go back to this audio from August 9th when Coach McDaniel was asked about showing stuff off in joint practice. I think this commentary on how a system should operate if constructed properly is a good indicator of how this team needs to have a counter to those interior throws that Tua was so good at last year. And we already have examples in the preseason right now of Tua doing just that, adding more to his tools. Here's Coach. It's something that you have to kind of be forward thinking. Um, I'm very aware when we have fan days of uh, technology. I'm very aware of um, stadium practices. I'm very aware of joint practices. Um, there, there's a balance, um, and, and for me, uh, I'm less secretive um, than I think I would have thought I would have been early in my career just because, um, you know, they if, if the – if the offense is constructed the right way, um, everything has a, a, a counter to it. So um, at this point, uh, we have to get good at stuff. Um, I probably hide less, but there's definitely stuff that, that you, don't, you don't want to um, put on tape, especially if you're ironing iron the kinks out of it. So um, it's a fun balance, but for the most part, um, we're just trying to create situations create um, situations that are competitive within offense that we do do so that um, with the idea being you get to evaluate guys and guys are put in difficult positions um, like a game or hopefully more difficult positions. Next quarterback, Skylar Thompson. I think the creativity is the best part of his game because the on-rhythm stuff just – it might take some time for it to get there. Skylar's playing in a vastly different offense than he played in college, but he just needs the off-script stuff because it's just not – still not quick yet. But that jump pass conversion to Savon Ahmed – uh, on the first touchdown drive, he had it in rhythm for a very easy catch and run, and it's a one-on-one for Savon with a safety if he does put it in there on time. But he doesn't see it and invites pressure. He makes up for it by winning off script, but it gets frustrating sometimes watching the tape. Like, just cut it loose. Throw it. I liked the first play of the second half when it looked like he had Cedric Wilson on a dig, but the Mike wind- linebacker winds up carrying vertical to undercut it. I think Skyler saw his back and decided to step up and run the football. Then he gets pressure, and Julian Hill gets off of his chip. I mentioned that earlier. Julian Hill, what a great game he had. Uh, and just shovels it forward. Again, Skyler's strength is that creativity uh, when he can get to it. Pro Football Focus had him at 4 for 7 against pressure for 25 yards, 3 for 6 against the Blitz with 13 yards. He did have 2.63 seconds to throw. It was under pressure on 8 of 24 dropbacks. Kept clean, 11 for 15 with a buck 32 and all three touchdowns. So scheme and pass blocking, very good in this game, I thought. Running backs, Devon A-Chain, we mentioned Savon Achman earlier. His ability to quickly accelerate after he has to stop, it's it's really popping right now. Like his ability to fall forward through contact at his size, also so impressive. And then two plays later after I noted that he pushes the pile for an extra three yards and turns a second and 12 into a second and nine. I just, I'm so impressed by him. Three yards after contact on average, missed two force tackles 
uh, or forced missed tackles twice on just six rushing attempts. I just wanted to note Raheem Mostert's shiftiness and how nifty he is getting through small creases. 4.33 yards after initial contact really kind of bears that fruit. At receiver, Tyreek Hill on the speed out, just watching him throttle down and the little things he does, the fine details blow me away so much because Desmond King is mirroring him and obviously is terrified of the deep release. And so Tyreek widens his release and King reacts to this by jumping to outside leverage. Like he overplays the outside leverage, but still is getting depth. And so what Tyreek does, I think in the moment, is recognizes this and takes another jab step inside. And this spun King all the way out and he took off running the wrong way. And then there's 10 yards of separation on a five-yard throw. It's the easiest completion of Tua's career because against this man-free look, he can just find a way to threaten deep and get back to the perimeter. It reminded me of the Lions play when Tua hit Tyreek deep, but we have a conversion off of that in case the safety gets over the top because that was zero coverage. This is cover one. The safety could have got over the top. So throttle down and get outside, threaten him vertically, threaten him to the uh, perimeter. It's a lot to cover. I thought Eric Azucama just really glides in and out of his routes, but I do think there's a little bit of detail missing in them that I think is kind of lacking from some of the other guys. What I saw on tape, there's a throw to him from Skylar Thompson that's late and behind, but he reaches back and snatches it and just keeps gliding into the run after the catch. Him on drags and mesh and screens and things where he just kind of can keep cooking, I like that for him. It kind of looked like the 75-yard touchdown play to Sherfield in San Francisco, and I think better timing and a better throw could have seen a similar result because he had one-on-one in open space to maybe go to the house. I thought he rushed that route later on the drive where he rounded it off. That's kind of the detail I I talked about earlier. At tight end, uh, I mentioned Julian Hill. Elijah Higgins cooked Shaq Griffin on a vertical route, swiped the hands, stacked him, but we did not get to see the throw because it didn't go there. Uh, On the offensive line, I thought Austin Jackson had some really impressive work mixed in with some not-so-impressive stuff, but he hit this great reach block where he basically had to cut off a two-technique, and it's that's a a three-technique, rather, which is off the outside shoulder of the guard, and he put the guy on the ground by turning and sealing him on that first positive play after the first two nightmare plays. I just feel like Austin's kind of a throwback right tackle. Used to put guys in the position who would just knock heads in the running game and kind of be a road grader, except in addition to some really good plays at the point of attack, you know, Austin's like Teron Armstead and he has athletic ability where he can get out wide on those toss plays. And there's a play where they they crack back with River Craycraft and he goes out and pancakes the Sam linebacker. That's two really, really good run blocking plays on the opening drive. But the recognition stuff still needs some work. There's a play where he washes down a two-eye technique, which is on the inside shoulder of your guard. And, you know, Rob Hunt did need help with that. And he comes in and cleans it all up, but it gives a free guy a run on the outside. Some stuff he can work on, but I think there's positives out there for Austin Jackson. Pro Football Focus had him with two pressures on nine pass blocking snaps. Both were hurries. We mentioned those and the stress of the defense put on him twice. So some give and take there with Austin Jackson. Uh, Rob Hunt had a phenomenal first drive, had a couple of pancakes on the first play, just moved guys and threw them to the ground, had some slip-ups and pass protection, but for the most part was really good in this game. Thought Isaiah Wynn had a really good game except for some pass rush or some pass protection reps. There was a stunt pickup on the first third down, and we'll see this later on with a change of direction skills while striking hands. The, he just he glides back and forth left to right to help pick up those stunts, and we've worried about that for so long in Miami picking up stunts on the offensive line. The movement he gets in the running game is a translation of the feet where he takes on contact from a slant, a guy trying to cross his face in the three technique position, stands him up, displaces him still. And Skyler's second drive, 
Isaiah gets a pass rush off his left shoulder from a three technique, and he works over to thwart the move. The three reacts with a spin back inside, but because Wynn did a good job staying back in his stance with a gorgeous drop step where he opens that right hip and gets himself some more depth, it just diminishes any chance for the defensive rusher to use him as leverage, and his spin moves goes for naught. He settles into reposition set and snatches the rusher and brings him to the ground. Really good work there. He did get walked back a couple of times, and there was one hit on Skylar where his man got through the outside post that he could not protect. Could be what Coach talks about here in his presser with up and down play from Isaiah Wynn, but I come away from this game saying, that's your left guard day one. I thought Isaiah got his feet wet in in the system um, to a degree. I think he did a real good job um, uh, trying to attack our techniques, and there's stuff that he he wants to improve upon. That's So the, the whole evaluation process in general, um, you know, just like a game doesn't end um, – after the third quarter, um, you know, I think right now you're taking the game tape um, and then you're you're applying it, the the pros and cons, trying to build on the real good stuff that he did and then trying to improve upon stuff that he knows that, um, you know, he can do better. And then we'll evaluate that week uh, or this week as it would be and um, what he's what he's able to do in, in the game moving forward. So it was an important piece. Um, but I can't emphasize peace more. Um, the the good games are are were had by many many players, and you want to see what they do with that moving forward. Um, and you know, because the the whole key is like a football team, you need to be your best at the end of the season. Um, so you have to be a player that continues to progress um, week to week, and we get better um, as. Uh, as the season progresses. PFF had two pressures on 25 pass blocking snaps for win. Connor Williams, his ability to climb and work off the help and attach at the second level is so good. He has to be so frustrating for opposing linebackers. Uh, I had Keon Smith having a rough game, getting whipped a couple of times and, and kind of having a, a fallback game after his first one. Some not so good work from Dan Feeney either and Yulama Yulave. He's got to learn how to pass off games, man. There's a couple of players that got him twisted up, and he was on the grind a few times. Let's talk some defensive notes here. In general, I love that 40 front to kick off the game where you have a two technique and a four technique on either side, and then you bring both linebackers down to essentially give you six gaps accounted for. The tight end short motions in, and Ogba widens his technique by one, like a four technique, head up over the tackle, kicks out to a five technique over his outside shoulder, and it took him right to a play. I think this tape has a lot of team execution. 11 guys doing their job, staying true to their rules, and just getting the job done. At Honest NFL is a former NFL personnel guy or something. I don't know what he did, but he's a great Twitter follow. He has a bunch of Vic Fangio tweets, and you can just see, he said you can see the scheme clicking already for Fangio because he's installed the scheme so many times, it's not going to have those growing pains. And you just didn't see things surprise guys. Like when passing off, the, there was no free runners down the field. The few Texans positive plays were really just solid execution and some damn good throws by C.J. Stroud. I think the best way I can explain it, they make their vulnerabilities positions that take a long time to get to, like slow developing four second routes. And a couple of times I saw guys come open down the field on a deep crosser or a deep post or whatever it might've been. The pass rush is already there though, which is the idea, right? If you can get there in four seconds and we can't get home, then good for you. In fact, coach McDaniel was asked about Vic Fangio in his Monday press conference and had some enlightening commentary about technique and fundamentals, but also taste and music. Let's play that sound. Vic has been absolutely phenomenal for um, the players, coaches, the organization. Uh, it kind of fits exactly with um, what I saw from 
the beginning, I saw a lot of synergy in in him and I. Ironically, I think a lot of people are like, "Huh," um, when I say that. But you know, the the way we approach football, um, the way that that you know our fundamental philosophies of how to teach um, accountability uh, towards the player, um, and then um, the and the requisite accountability necessary from players to to what we're asking them to do the commitment to um absolutely the the best fundamentals and and technique that you can um that 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 you yourself can really come up with over a lifetime of football um he's been he's delivered on that tenfold um i think that the uh it, it it's been cool to offset you know um you know we have we have quite diff- different musical tastes so uh um you know sometimes I incorporate some of his uh his music into you know team meeting situations and i promise you the players know exactly whose musical tastes those are when they're being played um but i think that's important uh you know to have to have some you know uh, it just kind of speaks to to the broader um, scope of and, and vision of what the this organization can be, which is um, there's cut from many different cloths. There's um, one sole uh, commitment and that's to winning football games uh, and and really empowering players with their the best tools that they can have. Um, so I think that that embodies that, and you know, pretty much. Uh, if it isn't already obvious, Vic Fangio and myself were the same guy. In total on defense, 15 pressures on 44 dropbacks. The Texans had a passer rating of 62.2 and averaged just 4.4 yards per attempt. A few more notes here. I thought Raekwon had some good reps where he was a one shade and he whipped the guard and gets a piece of the ball carry in the second play of the game. Off the edge, Bradley Chubb was really good for just a few snaps. A bit of broken record all camp. Then he goes out in the first play and just does the same thing I've been talking about where he works downhill through a block to stack up a run. Then he comes off and makes the play alongside Cater Kohu, who just loves to stick his face in the fan and make plays with his physicality. Just two plays later, you see him and his athletic ability as he goes unblocked. But the design of the play is to take care of him with the traffic by the running back and the tight end on play pass, whose route is kind of a natural chip. He just sidesteps both of them and then goes and hits C.J. Stroud for the incompletion. PFF had him with a run stop on two run defense downs and a pressure on three pass rush downs. Pretty productive day for Bradley Chubb. I thought Emmanuel Ogba and Zach Sealer did really good work to hold their blocks and shed when the ball carrier came their way. Uh, Ogba had two run stops on nine rundowns and a pressure on 11 pass rush downs. Didn't really notice this on the initial watch, but Malik Reed had two really good back-to-back reps. On one, he undresses the right tackle, and you can see him get mad because he's going to come clean on the quarterback, but the play's ruled dead for a pre-snap Texans penalty. Then he worked inside and beat a puller for a run stuff on the very next play. Two pressures on nine pass rushes, and it could have been three on ten for a sack if it wasn't for the penalty. I sure do love... Mitchell Agude aggressively attacking the split flow block, beating it and going again at TFL. That was cool to see. I thought Cameron Good and Garrett Nelson showed off their motors. They combined with three pressures apiece for six total. I mentioned Tyndall and Long in the off-ball linebacker, top 10 tapes. And then defensive backs, Deshaun Elliott. On that Chubb pressure on third and goal, he recognizes the tight end flat before it even happens and showed you excellent closing speed. He would have shut that down even if Chubb's pressure didn't force the incompletion. Then on fourth down, he fights around a pick and gets himself into good shape for a little jerk route, but Stroud throws the flat and it's incomplete anyway. The Dolphins' red zone defense looks really good early on. 
Uh, he was targeted twice, did not allow a catch. That's 11 total coverage snaps. I thought X and Cater on X's pass breakup played that stack switch perfectly on that Texans fourth down failure. Cater stays on the outside hip and carries Nico Collins vertically, and then X scraped off of that rub and fills the slant and just runs right off the hip and, and cuts in front of it and gets the pass breakup textbook play. I thought Eli Apple had a great game. Uh, I talked about him on the recap. His recognition of things unfolding just really stands out when you watch the tape from the wide shot. Did it twice in a three-play span. I thought Verone McKinley had a really nice run fit on the Texans' second drive playing in the box. We saw him mostly in the post last year, but the more you can do, right? Then he does it again when he's severely overmatched from a size standpoint against a tight end, just beats the block and makes a tackle. Elijah Campbell, I still love that near pick, even with the illegal contact call. I can see why they called it, but the way he played that and keyed the quarterback and got that drop uh, in coverage was very impressive. And then Perry Nickerson, he can play, man. Those man beaters we praised the offense for, the Texans get one here with Davis Mills, and Nickerson flips the hips and drives, transitions very smoothly out of that back pedal and gets a pass breakup. And Finn, that's the end of the podcast. A long one. It won't always be that long, but when you're breaking down 90, guys, it's going to be a long podcast. But I like this format a lot more than last year's. Let me know what you guys think on Twitter. Tomorrow, back at practice, plus assistant coach audio, all of that coming away here on Drive Time. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure. Subscribe, rate, review for the podcast, wherever you get it. Uh, go ahead and follow on socials at Winkler NFL and at Miami Dolphins. Check out my guy Seth and Juice on the Fish Tank podcast. Check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities and Dolphins today. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline Cameron, Daddy.